Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Everyone ranked. Fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets! Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Well, greetings, sports fans. Welcome back in to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. However you're listening, 960 AM, WSBTRadio.com, the WSBT radio app, video feed on the Twitch app. It is great to have you with me. My name is Darren Pritchett, and I am with you until 7 o'clock tonight. I'll make a score prediction on Notre Dame Duke coming up in just a little bit. As we go through how I think the game will play out tomorrow night, Notre Dame visiting the Duke Blue Devils. Also coming up, we'll take a look at the Irish opponent's schedule. What the Irish opponents are facing this weekend. We've got our Twitter question of the day results from yesterday and a brand new question for today. It's Friday, so it's a Notre Dame football parlay question. We'll go over some other odds in the Notre Dame-Duke game thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook in the 6 o'clock hour. We'll talk some Notre Dame football at around, oh, 6.20 or so. Tyler Horka, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Tyler and I host a Blue and Gold YouTube live Notre Dame football show each week. And we're going to play back a portion of that conversation as we talk about the Irish offense why the defensive line cannot get more consistent pass rush. So we'll talk all about those items and more in the 6 o'clock hour. And we will end tonight's show with our new Friday tradition, a 10-pack of Sportsbeat Sizzler picks. 
We've got two Notre Dame picks to get to tonight. One college football game tonight, two tomorrow, and five NFL games on Sunday, our 10-pack of picks. We've been over 500 all three weeks so far. Last week it expanded to a 12-pack. It's a long story, but we've gone 6-4, and 6-4, and four, and 7-5 and five over the first three weeks. Not feeling as good about these batches of picks, but we'll do our best coming up at the end of the show here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I think tomorrow night at 7.30 is going to be a nice dose of medicine for a lot of Irish fans. We get to the next game. All the frustrations of that last game, you're still going to think about it. And this happening and that happening. You were frustrated with this or that. You like this. It's not going to go away because it just felt like you had the chance for a special season with a great quarterback. And you could still achieve that. You just have to be perfect the rest of the way. And in college football, we know it is tough to win week in and week out. And Notre Dame's got a challenging couple of weeks coming up at Duke, at Louisville, home against the University of Southern California. So just to get by October 14th with just one loss, Irish can play good football. But you know what? They are capable of doing that. Let's just get rid of some of the silliness we had to talk about all week from that Ohio State game. And let's see if the players can go out there and execute at a high level and pick up a victory against the Dukies, but I do think it's just nice to play another game. Irish fans can start moving on from pulling their hair out last Saturday night from that matchup against Ohio State. So we've got the Fighting Irish ranked number 11. Duke is number 17. The matchup is in Durham, North Carolina, 730 kickoff. Right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Pre-game coverage starts at 1 o'clock at 2. It's the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day interview show with Tim Growl and Jimmy Rizzeri. The program starts with former Irish quarterback Ian Book joining the program. I'll be joined by InsideIndieSports.com publisher Eric Hansen, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, Tyler Horka. We will have game day sports beat brought to you by Bud Light from 4 until 6.30. That is the X's and O's show before the Irish play at 7.30. After the game, the official Notre Dame football postgame show, Jim Arizari and Reggie Brooks will break it down for you. All in one spot, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Okay, 5-12 is our time. And away we go with how the game might play out tomorrow night down in Durham. Hey, the Blue Devils have beaten Clemson in their house already this year. The opener on Labor Day, 28-7. Dukies, since eh, they've beaten Lafayette, Northwestern, and on the road, they beat the Connecticut Huskies. And now the Fighting Irish come to town for a primetime top 20 matchup. First time in the history of Duke, the football version of college game day is coming to their campus. And sometimes that brings extra hype, extra pressure, extra distractions. Let's see how the Dukies handle college game day being in town. Let's begin by talking about the Notre Dame offense. 
The Irish still have Sam Hartman, and that's a wonderful thing. But people need to get open for Sam Hartman to be Sam Hartman. They faced a really good secondary in Ohio State last week. And now you face another elite pass defense this week. The Duke Blue Devils enter this matchup number four in the country in pass efficiency defense. What's interesting about this Duke defense, they don't have really any big-time stars. They've got good players, but not like big-name stars. There isn't that Benjamin Morrison name to throw out there. They just work so well together as a unit. Mike Elko, the former Irish defensive coordinator under Brian Kelly, has done an amazing job at Duke. And he has brought a defense that is not overly complicated. They're just really good at what they're asked to do. I think there is a way to get through that Duke defense, and let's talk about it. First, though, we set up Duke's pass efficiency defense is really good. And the Irish come into this matchup possibly without three of their top seven wide receivers when you think back to the start of the season. Jaden Thomas, hamstring injury against Ohio State, has not practiced this week. He is questionable slash doubtful for this game. So there's one starter that may not play. You've got a backup in Deion Colsey at his knee scope yesterday. He's going to be out a couple of weeks. Matt Salerno's been out with a serious knee injury for a couple of weeks already. So you take a look at guys like Tobias Merriweather, Chris Tyree, Rico Flores Jr., Jaden Greathouse. Those are your four wide receivers you know you can count on. Now Braylon James is another fantastic freshman. Let's see if he moves up to varsity this week if they want him to play or only if needed. But the Irish do not have their full set of wide receivers for this matchup at Duke. But the great thing is Sam gives you a fighting chance with a passing game, no matter who's out there. How about amidst all the frustrations of last Saturday, and I know we've talked about it on this program all week, because there were some really good things to come out of the game, just some pull-your-hair-out moments that overshadowed them. But it hopefully, hopefully was the coming-out party for that Irish offensive line. They've been good this year, but the interior offensive line took a major step forward in that game, highlighted by the play of right guard Rocco Spindler. Sam Hartman was not sacked in that ball game. One of them could have been a sack, the final drive where they brought out two running backs and there was miscommunication and Hartman went down. They called it a running play. But the offensive line held up. And you wonder how the Irish only scored 14 points with the Irish offensive line holding up. So the Irish, I think, have an opportunity to do some really good things on offense, but they do have to go through Mike Elko's defense, a defense that Marcus Freeman is impressed by. 
And um, his defenses did a great job. I followed him at Wake Forest, followed him when he was here. Um, his defenses um, have always been well coached. You know, the thing that you respect um, is how hard they play. They are, they, they're aggressive. Um, they play extremely hard and they're sound. They're not exotic. They don't do crazy things on defense, but they play fast and they play hard um, and they tackle well. And so I have a lot of respect for him as a football coach um, and the defenses he's been a part of. And so uh, it will be a great challenge for our offense on Saturday. And the Irish will take on that Duke defense, as I laid out a second ago, with a lot of young guys. And Jared Parker and the Irish coaching staff on the offensive side of the football have leaned on some really young guys this year, and they are getting production out of them. Jeremiah Love, freshman running back. Jadarian Price, second year with the program. First year playing, had the Achilles last year. And the two freshman wide receivers, Jaden Greathouse and Rico Flores, who had the game, or the go-ahead touchdown, I should say, for the Irish. It should have been the game-winning touchdown for the Irish in the fourth quarter. And Marcus Freeman is thrilled to talk about what he's getting out of the freshman skill. Again, I think I've said this before, it's a credit to our recruiting staff and the evaluation and by our coaches of high school talent. And, and two of those guys came in early from really good high school programs. One came in the summer. And so that misconception of you got to come in the, the winter to play early is, is wrong. But those three guys are, were well-prepared when they got to Notre Dame and have done a great job. Yes, they have. So let's take a guess at what might happen tomorrow. I've got Sam Hartman, 18 of 27 for 253 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions. I'm going to guesstimate that the touchdown pass goes to freshman Jaden Greathouse who will lead the team with five catches for 68 yards. I've got two players with four catches. Another freshman, Rico Flores Jr., four for 52. Chris Tyree probably will play more in this game. You'll probably still see a lot of two tight end sets. That's part of who Notre Dame is, DNA-wise on offense. I've got Tyree, four for 51 in this ball game. Here's where I think Notre Dame can win the game their ability to run the football. You go back to game one. Now, that was a few weeks ago, and you can tweak things. But Clemson, in that loss to the Dukies, put up over 200 rushing yards against Elko's defense. Lafayette picked up over 100 rushing yards against the Devils. Neither one of those two football teams have Sam Hartman. The Irish do. And that puts Duke in a tough spot. If you need an extra hat to stop the run game, then you're going to have problems, even with a great pass efficiency defense. Now, we're probably going to see the five-headed running back rotation for Notre Dame. And you know what? Throughout a game, I've learned to be okay with it. They do a great job of taking the strengths of each running back and using it to enhance the offense. I just get grumpy about late in games, pounding the football with good old number seven, making sure that he has the opportunity to get those touches. That one carry on that, what was hopefully going to be the final drive of the ball game, it didn't work out seven. as the Irish seven. went different ways with seven. their seven. running back core and seven, seven. only had seven. one running seven. back carry 
in that sequence. Maybe it'll be different in this ball game. I've got Audrick Estime going back to his Central Michigan rushing totals. 14 against Ohio State, 20 against Central Michigan. I've got Estime for 20 carries for 123 yards, and I've got him for two touchdowns. I'm going to be bullheaded. Marcus Freeman, when asked, Estime playing less in a top 10 matchup? Again, we had certain packages, unique packages for that game using two back sets. And, um, you know, Coach Parker was just continuing to um, call the game as, as he felt was it, it was necessary, you know. And, and um, Audric understands that. Audric played well, really well in, his, in the plays that he uh, was in the game. And, and he's a huge part of our offense. But it's just a great, to me, a reminder of how deep that running back's room is. And... Um, the unselfishness of Audric, to me, that speaks volumes about. I had a media member say this to me. I didn't notice this. There was a lot going on late in that game, but Estimate tried to get back in the game. He wanted to run out there, had his arm grabbed a couple of times. He wanted to be the guy. Didn't happen. But I say Estimate will show what he's worth in this game. 20 for 123, and again, I'm going to be bullheaded. Two rushing touchdowns for Estime. I've got Price, 6 for 33. I've got Payne scoring a touchdown, two rushes for eight yards. So that's my look at the Fighting Irish offense. I think they will have success in this game. Now to the Notre Dame defense taking on the Duke offense. Duke quarterback Riley Leonard is a handful. A fine passer of the football, a difference maker when he's asked to carry the football. This is probably going to be a spy game once again. That's where you have someone like Maris Leofal or Jack Kaiser, whomever. They're going to spy wherever Leonard goes. So that person is designed to not let Leonard make a big play with his feet. Maybe a little bit similar to what Notre Dame did against Brennan Armstrong and North Carolina State in game number three. Now, I think Leonard right now at this moment is a significant upgrade over Brennan Armstrong. Leonard, according to Mel Kuyper Jr., ESPN draft expert, is number three quarterback in the next draft cycle, and there's some doggone good quarterbacks coming up for the National Football League. So what about comparing Armstrong of NC State and Leonard of Duke, Marcus Freeman once again? Yeah, there'll be some. Um, you know, he is a talented individual that, that, I mean, really, obviously all offenses go through the quarterback, but, but the things he presents in the run game, the challenges he's going to present, I mean, he's a big physical tough runner too that you know what he's 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 accurate in the pass game for what they need him to do you know and so it's a huge challenge for our team um biggest one yet i'm with you there coach the one thing about leonard he has not faced a set of corners like notre dame has in fact the last three weeks there hasn't been much competition for Leonard facing Lafayette, Northwestern, and Connecticut. 
And I'll tell you what, Leonard's going to face some corners for Notre Dame that are filled with confidence. I wish all of you could have sat in the press box with me and just watched the corners for Notre Dame go up against elite wide receivers and came out looking like studs. Morrison against Harrison, every time it happened, it was worth watching. Don't watch the football, watch those two. I know Morrison's got much more football to play at Notre Dame, but my heavens, you could say he made some money. He made some coin with that performance against Marvin Harrison Jr. So the corners for Notre Dame, they feel really good right now. They held that offense down. They did not let Marvin Harrison Jr. beat them. Now, the slot had some success against the Irish. But in particular, Morrison, absolutely A-plus for his performance in that particular ball game. Marcus Freeman on his corners coming off that great performance against Ohio State. The, the wideouts that we'll face, but when you talk about that wideout crew that we faced on Saturday is probably the best in the country, you know, and, and maybe, I'll, maybe I'll watch film and see somebody else. I don't want to uh, compare it to anybody else, but that's a talented group. But, but I feel really confident in our corners. Um, Coach Mick has done a great job um, in that entire room, but, you know, Cam and BMO, they were up for the challenge. We played man-to-man coverage, and they made some, some, they made some plays on offense. You're, they're going to. Great players do make plays, but I felt those guys continued to battle, um, continued to challenge uh, both of those wide out, all three of the wideouts that they had, um, and they did a really good job. Well, last week, Notre Dame shortened up their defensive rotations against Ohio State. An interesting piece of strategy by the Irish coaching staff, something that has been brought up by the Notre Dame media to Marcus Freeman and defensive coordinator Al Golden. You would expect the rotations to get back to normal against Duke. Again, for example, Jason Onye, Tui Alamaka, they did not have a defensive snap against Ohio State. Jack Kaiser was very limited in the game against the Buckeyes, including down around the goal line. Here's Marcus Freeman discussing with the media using less of a rotation against the Buckeyes. Yeah, we, we, we discussed it um, prior to the game. Hey, how we always discuss how our rotations will be. Um, and so, you know, there's a level of, of comfort you have as a coach in who's on the field um, versus a certain opponent or versus certain people, okay? And so that's why we made those decisions going into the game. You know, and sometimes the flow of a game has that impact too you know in terms of rotations and so um we'll always we always look to say okay how many plays can this person play and truly play at the level we need them to um and that's a constant evaluation that even we looked at after the game okay hey was this too many plays for this guy should we this person have played more how do we get that person in the game more and so there's no perfect science for it but it's it's a every week conversation that we have in fact, we might start to see Nickel Thomas Harper and linebacker Jack Kaiser on the field together. That's not happened. It was brought up to Golden, and that's, uh, Golden said that's something he is addressing. 
and probably will make happen soon. Soon might be tomorrow against that Blue Devils offense. I'm just going to take a guesstimate. Riley Leonard, 23 of 39 for 252, a touchdown and a pick. And I've got him rushing 13 times for 55 yards and a touchdown. Duke's giving up 8.8 points per game. They gave up seven to Clemson. Again, then they face Lafayette, Northwestern, and Connecticut. Limited challenges in those last three games. I think the Notre Dame offense and their ability to run the football will be a major asset in this ballgame. And I think the fact that the Notre Dame secondary can lock down those receivers, more focus on Leonard in the running game, I think they will do well. All this is based on the thought that the Notre Dame football team mentally is ready to go. I am basing my pick on the fact they're good. They're ready to go. They may not be good, but they're ready to go. It's tough to get over that loss to Ohio State, but they got to put it behind them. And hopefully once the coaching staff put the Duke tape in, mine's locked in on the Blue Devils. So my pick is based on no hangover. There's a hangover, throw my pick in the trash. But I believe in Marcus Freeman from this standpoint. Last year's football team could have quit on two occasions. After they lost to Marshall to go to 0-2 and the horrible loss to Stanford to fall to 3-3. He kept that team together. They finished strong, winning six of their last seven. He obviously has the ear and the respect of these players. If he didn't, last year could have gone in a horribly different direction. It did not. And I give credit to Marcus and a strong leadership group last year. They were able to right the ship and win six of seven. Everything we hear, this football team loves Sam Hartman. They listen to him. They respect the 24-year-old. Marcus still has this football team that will listen to him. They believe in him, and I fully expect this team to play well tomorrow. If they don't, I'll be very disappointed, as will you. At the end of the day, Notre Dame is favored by five and a half, and I believe the Irish will win with more room to spare than that. My final score prediction is Notre Dame 31 and Duke 16. A 15-point win for the Irish down in Durham, North Carolina. So 31-16 Irish is my pick again. I believe in this football team and where they are mentally. Now go out and do it. All right, 532 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I want to take a timeout, and when we return... Let's set up a couple of things. Number one, Notre Dame still still has an outside chance if they run the table to be in the playoff mix. So what are some of the key games this weekend to watch? I'll tell you. Plus, we'll go through who Notre Dame opponents are playing this weekend. That's all coming up as we continue to move forward. Notre Dame and Duke tomorrow night, 730 kickoff. Right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Gives to Estime. He leaps at the one and goes over the stripe. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Hartman keeps it, runs it up the middle, bulldozing to the end zone, and he's in. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Low snap, hands off inside to Estime. 10 5. He'll get there. Touchdown, Notre Dame. 538 at WSBT. This is Sports Beat. On your home of tomorrow night's Notre Dame Duke game, 730 kickoff. Darren Pritchett with you. One Major League Baseball note just coming down the pipe. The Giants have dismissed their manager, Gabe Kapler. The Chicago Cubs pretty much have to sweep Milwaukee. They're in a tough spot, a half a game behind Miami. Cubs have three to go. The Marlins have three to go, plus maybe. They'll have to complete a game against the Mets on Monday if necessary. But basically, the Cubs are a half a game behind. You could argue, really, they're a game and a half behind since Miami wins the tiebreaker head-to-head against the Cubs. So with three to go, a game and a half down, Marlins have the Pirates, Cubs have the Brewers. Cubs are up against it at this particular moment, but going 11-14 and in September has put them in this spot all right back to college football conversation as we get set for Notre Dame and Duke it is the second of four straight night games for this fighting Irish football team so plenty of time for we the fans and the media to enjoy some college football all day before we get to the fighting Irish at night so let's talk about some of the games this weekend involving teams with hopes of making the four-team college football playoff this year. The Irish, number 11 in the AP poll. You run the table somehow, some way. you're going to be right there in the mix. Okay, so what's happening this weekend? One game we're talking about is number one Georgia going to Auburn. The Tigers have been down. Brand new head coach. And their offense just isn't very good right now. They really struggled last weekend in College Station against Texas A&M. The old Georgia Bulldogs, two-time defending national champions, number one in the country right now. They have sort of tiptoed through their first four games. Three of the games, they were not tested. The one decent opponent was a conference game against the old Gamecocks from South Carolina, and Georgia was down at halftime. They rallied to win 24-14. So this is a road test for Carson Beck and that Georgia football team. With Auburn being down, you expect Georgia to win, but we have to almost find a couple of games to be worried about with Georgia because the schedule's very favorable. Many of the SEC fans who complain, oh, Georgia doesn't play anybody. A reminder, they might be playing your team, which means your team probably isn't very good. So Georgia is at Auburn. Those hairy dogs are favored by 14 against War Eagles. All right, number two, Michigan is in Lincoln to take on Nebraska. Do you feel the same way? Michigan's been fine. They're beating everybody placed in front of them. 
They haven't been wow spectacular. They've been very, very good, solid along the way, doing what they need to do. Is this a trip-up spot? Nebraska at home? Huskers are still trying to figure things out. New coaching staff shouldn't be a problem for Michigan, but they're away from the big house. Let's see what they look like against the men of corn. Michigan, a comfortable 17-point favorite against the Huskers. Let's move down the chart a little bit. USC coming up on the Irish schedule October 14th at Notre Dame Stadium. They still got that Caleb Williams guy, the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. They have an explosive offense and still a questionable defense. And they go to Boulder to take on the Colorado Buffaloes. Have we moved on from the Buffalo train a little bit after they got trucked in Eugene by the Oregon Ducks? Now there's still going to be a lot of fanfare, I'm sure. This is kind of a weird one for USC. It's a noon kickoff for the Trojans in the Mountain Time Zone. It'll be 11 o'clock as they take on Colorado. Now, the odds makers believe that USC will roll in this game. Oregon at home is favored by 21 against Deion Sanders' team. The Trojans on the road are favored by 21 and a half. So I was asking Eric Hansen, I believe it was last night's program, if not the night before, the name USC was mentioned, and I said, are they maybe the fifth best team in the Pac-12? That might be a tad bit of a reach, but there might be an argument as well. Pac-12 for a conference that is on its deathbed. They're a big part of the playoff picture right now. Coming up next week, a massive game. Oregon at Washington. To me, those are the two best teams in the Pac-12. So, I decided to ask a Pac-12 expert about USC in the Pac-12. And if you have been a longtime follower of the Irish, in particular in South Bend, Mike Varell used to work for the South Bend Tribune. Now he works out in Seattle covering Washington Husky football. He is a wonderful writer. So I asked him his thoughts on the Pac-12. He said, I'd put Washington, Oregon, and USC as the top three in whatever order you'd like. While USC is flawed, their offense is overwhelming, and that covers up for a lot. Mike went on to say, I think Washington State still has some things to prove, in particular defensively, and Utah has had a lot of trouble consistently scoring without quarterback Cam Rising. That's really good analysis right there. So Mike says, whatever order you want, Washington, Oregon, and USC have to be in the top three. So I would go that order. Washington, Oregon, USC with Washington State and Utah close behind. The Utes beat the Trojans two times last year. The first time in Salt Lake on a late two-point conversion, and then they throttled USC's playoff hopes by thumping them in Vegas in the Pac-12 title game. So Utah should have a lot of confidence going to the Coliseum soon. 
So I thought that was interesting. He's got Washington, Oregon, USC, the top three, followed by Washington State and Utah. So that probably ends my argument. They might be fifth. Washington State might be behind them, but Utah, if they get Cam Rising back, they know how to beat USC. We'll see how that game transpires. So USC at Colorado tomorrow at noon. Further down the list. The Alabama Crimson Tide are number 12 in the country. One spot behind the Fighting Irish. Did they find themselves last weekend at home against the Lane Train and Ole Miss? Ole Miss's offense was shut down as the Bama defense kind of lived up to the preseason hype in that game against Ole Miss with Charlie Weiss Jr. putting that offense together with Lane Kiffin. Now Bama hits the road to take on Mississippi State. They seem to have settled in with Milrow as their starting quarterback. Tommy Reese, I like what you did. You finally adjusted more plan runs for the quarterback. That's what he does best. It looked like they cut the field in half at times to only let Milrow worry about one side of the field. So Bama... Thumps Ole Miss, and now Bama favored by 14-and-a-half at Mississippi State. Also, we've got a really good matchup. Number 13, LSU at number 20, Ole Miss. Brian Kelly's already got a loss. One more, they're out of the playoff picture. They will go to Hotty Toddy Land and take on the Rebels of Ole Miss, who are number 20 in the country. One of the best matchups of the weekend, LSU is favored by two and a half. And with the way Ole Miss's offense looked against Bama, and I lean a little bit more toward the old Bayou Bengals in this matchup. And finally, number 24, Kansas, going to Austin to take on number three, Texas. The Longhorns, I think, have the best win of the country right now, winning in Tuscaloosa over Alabama by 10. They slept walk for three quarters against Wyoming and Austin before pulling away. The Horns then hammered Baylor in Waco last weekend. They're back on track, and now this could be a track meet. This could be one of those 50-47 Big 12 games, although I think Texas defense is going to be a whole lot better. But on paper, you could see Kansas and Texas. Both those offenses are pretty good. Kansas quarterback, that Daniels kid, is something else running the football. Texas has a really good defensive line, which might show down, slow down Daniels in this game. And by the odds makers, they will. Number 24, Kansas at number three, Texas. Hook em horns. Favored by 16 and a hook. Hook them horns, 16 and a hook for old Texas against the Jayhawks. So that is some of the more important top matchups this weekend. Now, as we look at Notre Dame opponents this weekend, Navy is two and two. They're going to host South Florida, 3.30 kickoff tomorrow. NC State's a three and one football team. They're going to play tonight against Notre Dame's opponent next week. Louisville, an extra day to prepare for the Irish. Tonight at 7 o'clock, it's Louisville in Raleigh taking on North Carolina State. Wolfpack, their only loss to the Irish. Louisville is undefeated. 
so far, including a win over Indiana in Lucas Oil Stadium a couple of weeks ago. In this matchup, NC State, the home team, is getting three and a half. So we'll get an early look at Louisville coming up tonight against a familiar opponent, that 3-3-5 defense that NC State will put on the field. The old Chippewas from Central Michigan are 2-2. Two two. They will take on Eastern Michigan in a max showdown tomorrow at 1.30. After their win over the Irish, Ohio State is 4-0. They are idle. I already mentioned Louisville's 4-0. They're at NC State tonight. We talked about USC at Colorado. The other four teams at the back end of the Irish schedule. Pittsburgh is 1-3. Phil Dracovic is not playing well at quarterback for the old Panthers. And they are going to go in front of those Metallica crazy fans in Blacksburg. One in three Pittsburgh at Virginia Tech tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. How odd is it to see the Clemson Tigers two and two? That's where they sit right now. After losing to Duke. On the road in their opener, 28-7. They lost to Florida State on their home turf, 31-24. So the 2-2 two two Tigers go to the sleeper, formerly named Carrier Dome, to take on Syracuse, and it's an early start. 12 o'clock kick, Clemson at Syracuse. Wake Forest is 3-1. They are idle this week. And finally, I take back what I said after watching Stanford beat Hawaii early in the season. I apologize. I was wrong. I said Stanford looks a whole lot more competitive this year. No, they do not. They were beaten by their new coach's old team, Sacramento State. They've been crushed by USC. And it's not going to get any better this weekend as the old Cardinal welcome to the farm the Oregon Ducks. 6.30 South Bend time kickoff. Cardinal and Ducks. That game used to mean a lot in the Pac-12. Not anymore. All right, so that's what's happening with the Notre Dame opponents this weekend. Coming up next, our Twitter question of the day. It's a Friday before the Irish play, so we have to pick the right parlay plus results from yesterday's question. It's coming up next. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. From Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett back on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat at 557. Each weekday, we ask you a Twitter question of the day on my Twitter X account, 960 Sportsbeat. Yesterday, the question was, my expectations for Notre Dame at Duke Saturday is, I gave you three choices. The Irish post a double-digit win. The Irish win a close one. Or Duke wins. Here are the results. Not much love for the old Blue Devils pulling off the upset on their home field. Duke wins got 8% of the vote. Second place in the voting. 31% of you said the Irish win a close one. 
And apparently, most of you agree with me. 61% say my expectations for Notre Dame at Duke Saturday is a Fighting Irish double-digit win. We thank you for voting. Really appreciate your time. And now we move to our Friday tradition. What is the correct parlay for tomorrow's game? So, Notre Dame at Duke. Notre Dame is favored by 5.5. The over-under went down to 52.5 earlier today. So, which of these four do you believe will be the right parlay? Notre Dame minus 5.5 and and over 52.5 points. Second choice, Notre Dame minus 5.5, under 52.5 points. Choice number three, you'll go with the home dog, the Duke Blue Devils, plus five and a half and over 53 points. And your fourth and final choice, Duke, plus five and a half and under 52 and a half points. Which will be the correct parlay? You can place your vote right now. Go to Twitter X and search for my account at 960 Sportsbeat. We had a push last week. At the time of the vote, Ohio State was favored by three. They won by three. Otherwise, we're 0-4, picking the right parlay. Maybe this is the week. Good luck to you. All right, we've reached the top of the hour, one hour in the books of Budweiser's weekday sports beat for tonight. And we are being brought to you by Budweiser. For 13 years, Folds of Honor and Budweiser have provided life-changing scholarships to military families Join United Beverage in raising a bud to raise funds for Folds of Honor. By Legacy Heating and Air. Ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. September is Hunger Action Month. How will you choose to help end hunger? Learn more at feedindiana.org. By Bethel University's Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. By South Bend Orthopedics, trusted in the community for 75 years. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations, serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. And by Notre Dame Hockey, the wait is over. Single game tickets for the 23-24 hockey season is now on sale. Welcome back to Sportsbeat 612 on your home of the Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. More Notre Dame talk coming up in a few moments. Tyler Hork and I talk Notre Dame football from our Blue and Gold YouTube live show in just a little bit. A 10-pack of picks coming up at the end of the program. Right now, Chase Claypool back in the headlines. Can't stay out of them, can he? And it's not for scoring touchdowns or making great plays. Chase Claypool started wide receiver for the Fighting Irish. What a great debut as a rookie with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They used him and he produced. And then things went downhill. Ultimately, 
The Steelers got a very high second-round pick for him from the Chicago Bears, and it just hasn't worked out very well for the Bears with Claypool. Claypool met the media today, and I'll read you the transcript. First, have your expectations changed from last year when you got traded here to where you're at right now? Claypool said, yeah, I mean, things change, and that just determines on, well, sometimes the things around you either elevate or you have to adapt to allow you to elevate with them. So I've just been adapting to the new system and a new role in the system and trying to make the most out of it. Follow-up question. This is where it gets a little ugly for Chase. Reporter asked, do you feel like you've been put in the best position for you as a receiver to showcase the best of what you can do? There was a seven-second pause, and Chase Claypool responded, no. No meaning I've not been put in the best position to showcase what he can do. Obvious follow-up. Would you say it's not ideal? Claypool, no, I wouldn't say that. I think every situation has the ability to be ideal, and I think we're just working towards that. I'm not going to say that. I wouldn't say it's not an ideal place for me. Obviously, there's other places you can say, oh, I want to be on the best offense with the highest passing yards, but that doesn't happen in football. You just have to make do with what you got. And, of course, the Chicago media is not going to stop there. Chase is on a roll. What is the best place for them to put you in for you to succeed? Chase said, you know, I'll let them decide that. I'm not going to give any pointers. That's their job to decide, and I'll just do what they tell me to do. There is the best answer of the four. Chase nailed the answer to that. The rest were not exactly what you're looking for as, no, the team has not put him in the best position to showcase what he can do. So Chase has had some rough days. There's been a lot of speculation that during the offseason, the Bears were not happy with him. And now Chase, hey, speaks his mind. He was being honest, but that's one time probably don't be so honest. Chase has to own it. We'll see what he can do against the Denver Broncos at Soldier Field this Sunday, 1 o'clock kick on Quality Rock, 94.3 FM. The Broncos' defense is bad. They gave up 70 to the Dolphins last week. They do have Patrick Sertan, one of the best cover corners in the game. I doubt they waste his services on a guy like Chase Claypool. Probably DJ Moore will be who Patrick Sertan will see a lot of in this matchup in the Windy City. All right, 616 at WSBT. Notre Dame-Duke betting lines. The money line for Notre Dame to win outright. Not a lot of juice, as you would expect. Minus 218, bet 10 to win 1458. Duke, the home dog, if they win outright, plus 180, bet 10 to win 28 bucks. As we've told you, the spread is 5.5 in favor of Notre Dame. The over-under has slipped to 52.5. They're starting to do more individual stats at DraftKings Sportsbook for college football. For example, I wrote down a few of the top 
Notre Dame players and their chances to catch a touchdown or score the first touchdown of the game, which is a very popular wager in the NFL. Audric estimated the Irish running back to score the first touchdown of the game overall, plus 450 to score a touchdown anytime, minus 210. Jaden Thomas, who may not play in this game, he is the second most likely Irish player to score the first touchdown of the ball game at plus 950 and anytime touchdown at plus 125. He is topped by the Duke quarterback, Riley Leonard, at plus 120 to score a touchdown of the game. First touchdown overall, plus 1,000. Now back to the Irish. Their other three top possible touchdown players in this game. You've got Mitchell Evans, the tight end, at plus 160 for an anytime touchdown, plus 1,200 for the first. Jaden Greathouse at plus 190, anytime touchdown, the first touchdown at plus 1,300. And Rico Flores, he's at plus 180 to score a touchdown in this game. If he's the first, it's plus 1,300. Well, in a previous segment, my guesstimate for Sam Hartman of the game, 253 passing yards at DraftKings Sportsbook is over under passing yards at 244.5. And he has a passing touchdown number over one and a half touchdowns at minus 180, under one and a half at plus 135. I've actually got Hartman for one touchdown, actually two touchdowns in this game, excuse me. Rushing, I don't know what you do with Audric Estime with the five-headed running back monster, but he has set at 89 and a half rushing yards in this particular ball game. Receiving yards, DraftKings does not list any possibilities for Notre Dame. The Irish are the favorite to be leading after the first quarter. They are minus a half a point at minus 110. And at halftime, Notre Dame is favored by two and a half points at minus 120. Finally, team props in the game. Notre Dame's total points, what do you think? Well, DraftKings has Notre Dame at 29.5 over-under. I've got them for 31. And they have Duke for 23.5 over-under. I have the Blue Devils scoring 16 points. So those are some of the DraftKings Sportsbook odds for the Notre Dame-Duke contest. All right, we're going to spend a little more time talking X's and O's in our next segment. Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated and I, we host a live Blue and Gold YouTube show every Monday talking about Fighting Irish football. And we talked about the Irish outside of just the chaos of the Ohio State game. So we'll talk some Irish offense and defense coming up in just a matter of seconds as Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on your home of the Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. And a diving catch by Notre Dame. Benjamin Morrison. Three interceptions on the day. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Intercepted on the 45-yard line. So Reek Bracey. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. He will score. 10-5 touchdown. Benjamin Morrison. 95 yards out. And this is Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on this Friday. Darren Pritchett back with you. 
Final hour of the program for the day and the week. We have more Notre Dame Duke talk coming up tomorrow. Game Day Sports Beat brought to you by Bud Light, which will air from 4 until 6.30. Join Tyler Horka, who will be in Durham. Eric Hansen and I will be in studio. Two and a half hours of X's and O talk here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And we'll have the kickoff of the ball game right around 7.30 here on WSBT Radio with the official Notre Dame football postgame show after the game. Well, Tyler Hork and I spend a little time each Monday talking Notre Dame football in a blue and gold YouTube live football show. You can catch us every Monday at 3 o'clock on the blue and gold YouTube channel. And we were taking all sorts of questions, as you can imagine, following Notre Dame's loss to Ohio State. What was your assessment of Sam Hartman's play, particularly under pressure? I honestly thought he was pretty good. I I answered this question, and I think we're going to get to it a little later on the show. Given what he was presented and, and the game that was, played it pretty well. There weren't a whole lot of opportunities. The one downfield miss that I think he has that comes to mind was looking for Jaden Thomas on that left sideline, and they just can't get that one right. It feels like there's been a couple times where Jaden Thomas, whether he's running a corner, it must be a corner out to that left sideline, and he's open. And, and this time Hartman airmailed him against NC State. Hartman laid a really good pass in there. And uh, I see you keep laughing at the comments. I need to be comments, comments. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. I'm listening to you and reading them. Yeah, sure. That's that's multitasking at its finest. I, Darren, we don't need to spend too much time on this conversation because my mind on Sam Hartman didn't change. The game was weird. The game was wacky. I, Darren, do you remember how many times last week here and other places I kept saying these Ohio State defensive backs are really, really good. Like, watch out for these guys. They might be better than Notre Dame's wide receivers. I think that's what this came down to was what the heck is Sam Hartman supposed to do with really good pass protection, which it was. Notre Dame offensive line played a heck of a game. If you've got nobody to throw the ball to, you've got nobody to throw the ball to. So he doesn't get sacked a single time. That's a credit to the offensive line. That's also a credit to him getting the ball out, even if it's a throwaway or whatever it is. My my opinion on Sam Hartman didn't change. Notre Dame lost a, a low-scoring ball game in a game against some really good defensive players. It's going to happen. I, it, and look, Sam Hartman is still intercept. The one thing that people kept knocking Sam Hartman for coming in here is, dude's got like 25 interceptions in the last two seasons. Are we really going to start this guy? He's got zero interceptions and five starts at Notre Dame. He's taking care of the football. Guys just got to get a little bit more open for him, for me. And. Ohio State did whatever they could to try to prevent the deep ball, and they did a pretty good job. I'm not saying there isn't yeah. something you could scheme up, but there just wasn't much down the field from my vantage point sitting in the press box for him to attack. Here's a good question from uh, Patrick. Appreciate this, the uh, question here, Patrick. Where is Braylon James? You might see a little Braylon James in the coming weeks. Deion Colsey's having his knee scoped later this week, so that eliminates a boundary-wide receiver. In pregame warm-ups with Colsey not a go, he was he was there, he was suited, but we were watching warm-ups, and it was evident Colsey was not going to play in this ballgame. Braylon James was taking the place of Deion Colsey with that second, third-team wide receiver contingent when they were running some routes-on-air stuff in pregame warm-ups. So you, you always have a guy in any season that kind of breaks out in the middle of it, and you're like, where did this guy come from? 
Dion or Braylon James is getting his opportunity because uh, Dion Colsey can't play here for the next couple of weeks, like Marcus Freeman said. So where is he? Uh, you might see him as soon as Duke, because I don't think this is a game where Notre Dame is afraid. You mentioned the rotations, Darren. That was even a thing on offense where they're just like, hey, outside of the running back position, we're going to play the same guys over and over and over. Maybe it's time to say, hey, Braylon James is a burner. Braylon James is faster than Jaden Greathouse, is faster than Rico Flores. Like Jaden Greathouse, Rico Flores, they're great at what they do. They can get open. But if you want a guy to take the top off the defense that's not named Chris Tyree or maybe Tobias Merriweather on this team, it's Braylon James. So maybe this at this point in the season is is his time. I noticed Hire Elko had a quote. Joe Platt blames our coaches. That's obvious. I have a lot of respect for Joe. He's very fair. And if he, in fact, said that, that's pretty eye-opening. Yeah, I think uh, there's not a lot of uh, people on here who are SEC types of guys, but Paul Feinbaum's a walking quote, and I think he kind of sounded off on the the Notre Dame coaches as well. Look, you can't defend what happened. It's it's inexcusable, indefensible. Um, and it's not just the 10 people on the field thing. It You know, no, Notre Dame – at the end of the day, probably got out coached in a lot of areas in this game, even though it was only a three-point ball game. Okay, let's get to another question here. And it comes from Coop Dog 01. Why is it Notre Dame's defensive line getting penetration? If I had a great answer for you, yeah, uh, I would be I would be the defensive line coach at the University of Notre Dame. Uh here's the thing. I said this at blueandgold.com in the article today. I love the way Al Washington coaches. He's engaging. He's energetic. It seems like he gets his message across. And when I'm watching these practices in the spring and in the fall, it seems like it's a good message. Like it seems like he knows football, knows what he's talking about. But on the flip side of that, there's a reason Ohio State let him go two years ago and he was on the market. And Marcus Freeman was like, you know what? I'm an Ohio State guy. I know what Al Washington's about or is supposed to be be about. Let's bring him in. I'm not so sure he is going to be a long-term answer for Marcus Freeman and for the Notre Dame defensive line because there's there so many times in college football, I've seen it enough, where you think a guy is great and he's supposed to coach these guys up and, and be the guy for that position group. I don't think it's working right now. Now let's get to some of the stuff that's happening or what we're seeing. Did, I know Jordan Botello gets credited for a sack there on the grounding play, I think. So he gets a sack. I'm not sure how many he has for the season. I can check really, really quickly. Why isn't Jordan Botello winning more one-on-one matchups, Darren? Why, why isn't Riley Mills winning matchups in the middle? And he had a really good game for pro football focus. But, like, if you're Riley Mills and you're that big and you're playing defensive tackle, there should be some moments where you're – you are just completely by a center or a guard and you're in the backfield and you say, here I am. I, I'm either going to take the running back down for a tackle for loss, or I'm going to sack the quarterback. I, I know defensive tackles aren't supposed to get a whole lot of sacks, but Riley Mills should be that player. Why isn't it happening? So, sometimes you, you need to go a different direction with your coaching. If, if these things aren't happening, we've played five games and Notre Dame does not have a player that has more than two tackles for loss. That's the leader on the team right now so it's a it's a solid group of guys but you've got some players on this team who should probably be getting close to a tackle for loss per game right like nobody is even on close to on pace for a tackle for loss per game 
you might see the leader on the Notre Dame defense have like eight tackles for loss at the end of the season. That's unacceptable. That means you're not winning one-on-one matchups. And to answer Coop Dog's question, that's why Notre Dame isn't getting penetration. They can't win one-on-one matchups. They have to recruit linebackers and safeties for pressure help anytime they want to get pressure. That's, hey, we'll send Maris Leofau at the wall here and see if he can get through, which that didn't work against Ohio State, by the way. He ran into a wall, like a literal wall, and just didn't do anything. So it, it's maddening. Uh, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that, Darren, but it's really, I'll just keep it really quick. I think they just lack overall explosion along yeah. the defensive line. I so will is it an athlete man, issue or is it a coaching thing? Personnel? I just Probably don't both. see explosion coming off the edge. I will say, man, Baptiste was rolling to the sideline to oh. stop that fourth down play. Against oh, no, he had a great game all around. He had, a, really, he had a great really, game all around. Yeah, he had a good yeah. game. I just think overall, I don't know if there's enough explosion, and I just wonder – this is just a hypothetical. Since they used basically limited guys along the line, maybe they're better with limited snaps and playing more guys. I don't know. It's just a thought that came to mind. Yeah, but because they used a really short rotation in this game. You probably should have rotated a little bit more, honestly. And that's that is just specific to this game because even in the four games before it, I noticed that the Notre Dame defensive line wasn't winning its matchups, but. Like, let's just end this conversation with this. I don't think there was anything Jason Onye would have done to hinder Notre Dame's chances of winning that ball game any further than whoever was playing. Like, Howard Cross looked good again. He Howard Cross is a good football player. But, like, at some point, put Jason Onye out there. Or, I don't know, uh, Gabe Rubio played well. Um, I don't think Donovan Heinish is going to make much of a difference. But, like, maybe in terms of just taking a breather and and – limiting reps a little bit. I don't think it would have hurt to play guys like that and just kind of switch things up instead. Maybe, maybe the defense was a little tired there at the end too. Not a lot of people have been talking about that, but that that's also a possibility. Those guys played a lot of snaps on Saturday. And for people that didn't hear the press conference today, uh, coach Freeman said that, I think he was answering your question that Maris Leofowl 61 snaps, no tackles. He said that he had limited practice time last week due to a stinger. So take that for what it's worth. Yeah, that's a, that was a, a question kind of derived from the board, the message board at blueandgold.com, which, by the way, if you're not subscribed and you're watching this, go, go subscribe. Great community, great nuggets and, and tidbits that you can't get anywhere else we're bringing to you at blueandgold.com. They are um, very cognizant of Maris Leofau's play. And they were cognizant that he did not register a tackle. And I thought it was interesting personally, too. How do you play 61 snaps at a position like that that's supposed to be around the football at all times and not register a tackle? That probably warrants a Monday press conference question. Just like Audric could have worn down that defense a little more. I think Ohio State was on skates. I really yep. do. Offensive no, he, line. Marcus got that question, too. I forget who asked that one. It might have been the other Tyler, Tyler James. You can join Tyler and I on that live Blue and Gold YouTube show Monday at 3 o'clock, and Tyler will be with me also on Monday's Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat to recap his trip to Durham to watch Notre Dame and Duke. More Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat is coming up next on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 